This is the Emergency Medical Minute, sponsored by Health One. All right, guys. Hey, um, we had a pretty good PE last night, and uh, there were some questions came up kind of about how you decide how to treat a pulmonary embolism, so I thought I would go over it, because the way we approach PE treatment uh, and management really has changed since I started, and certainly since the time I've been at Swedish. So the way I, I approach a pulmonary embolism uh, diagnosis, so we've made the diagnosis, we know what's going on, usually that's by CT scan, rarely by VQ scan, um, is we do a risk stratification. It's fairly similar to how we risk stratify patients with chest pain in the emergency department. And you can think about pulmonary embolism as really falling into three buckets. And the first is a massive PE, and we'll kind of go over the definitions. The next is a sub-massive PE, and I think that name is a little misleading, uh, and, I'll, and I'll touch on that in just a second. And then the last is just PE. That's not those other two things. And so the, the first is the simplest, which is massive PE. Does anyone know what the kind of the definition of a massive PE is? Shock or hypotension. So if the patient has a low systolic blood pressure and is in shock, that's a massive PE. And the preferred treatment for massive PE, so pulmonary embolism with shock and hypotension, these are patients who are actively dying, uh, is thrombolytics, just like stroke. So we give IV TPA as a bolus and then a drip. And that's the treatment for these patients. And then anticoagulation with heparins and things like that can be done after that patient is resuscitated and lysed. Sometimes questions come up about should these patients go kind of quote unquote to the cath lab? Can they go to interventional radiology or have some kind of catheter directed therapy at that PE? And the answer is yes, but that is not for these patients who are actively dying. It turns out that that catheter directed therapy, while helpful, doesn't actually improve short-term outcome or mortality. So that's something that's kind of considered after that initial resuscitation. So massive PE, hypotension, shock, we treat it kind of like uh, a, 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 an acute stroke or an MI with thrombolytics. And dose? Uh, it's a little bit of variability about how we do that. Typically, we'll do that as like a single one-time bolus okay. as opposed to the like... 10 milligrams, yeah. and then the drip over an hour, we're just bolusing these patients. And there's some debate about whether they should get TNK, which is tenecteplase, which is a bolusable drug, as opposed to alteplase, which is TPA, which is what we give for acute stroke. But regardless, this is a, usually a, a, a um, acute bolus treatment in the emergency department. Great question. So the second category are submassive PE. And the name is misleading because it kind of sounds like, oh, that's not so bad. But submassive PE is bad. So submassive PE uh, is PE with either positive biomarkers, like an elevated troponin, or signs of an acute right heart failure. And that's usually diagnosed either by the MD or PA putting the probe on the heart and seeing a dilated right ventricle, or that same finding on CT scan. The radiologists are very attuned to this, and now they'll usually call us and say by CT, hey, there's an acute PE, pretty large burden of clot, and the RV is dilated, so it looks like they have acute right heart strain. So positive biomarker, so elevated troponin, 
and or that right heart strain, that's a submassive PE. These patients are still hemodynamically stable, or we would call them massive PE. And these patients are treated with IV heparin. So not, you know, Xarelto or Lovenox. The reason we use IV heparin is these are patients who may benefit from that catheter-directed thrombolysis in interventional radiology. Now, interestingly how this lines up with the um, lifestyle interests of the interventional radiologists, but they are very clear to make us understand that these are not middle-of-the-night interventions. These are something that can be wait until the morning. Are they holiday interventions? Or? And then also it doesn't seem to work on the holidays. Okay. Yeah. So these, these interventions are shown to improve long-term outcomes, which means patients seem to have better functional outcomes, less chronic lung disease, less long-term oxygen requirement. And they think that what happens in these patients who have big PEs but aren't actively dying is it takes the body naturally you know, weeks if not longer to kind of resolve all that clot burden. And meanwhile, the right heart is pushing against this acute pulmonary hypertension of these large PE clot burden, and it kind of remodels itself. Think of somebody like in heart failure. And so by lysing these people in the, in the interventional suite, you prevent that long-term right heart remodeling and chronic hypoxic respiratory failure and things. And so these patients we put on IV heparin so that they can, it can be turned off and then they can go to the cath lab. And that often, or I say, keep saying the cath lab, but it's interventional radiology. And that's usually the next day. And so we had a patient, a young, healthy male, who had a persistent heart rate of about 110. He was minimally hypoxic because he had very healthy lungs. And we have a lot of um, uh, uh, capacity to, to deal with PE. <coughs> Um, and he had acute right heart strain, dilated right ventricle, and a slightly elevated troponin. Uh, and his EKG didn't show any obvious ischemic changes, but was abnormal. That's a classic uh, submassive PE. And so we started that patient on IV heparin. I talked to pulmonary. The plan was to consult IR this morning. And my gut is he'll probably eat, be in IR today getting, getting lysed. And what they do is they'll put a drip catheter up into pulmonary arteries and they just selectively, they look at the pulmonary artery pressure on the left and the right, whichever's higher, they lyse that one first, and then they recheck the pulmonary artery pressures, and then, they re and then they'll lyse the other side if that other one still is significantly elevated. It's kind of interesting. Um, and that leaves us with the last category, which is just PE. And PE is, you have a PE, but you're not submassive or massive. Now, it used to be that all those patients would just get admitted. And now it's a little trickier. So now these patients, we consider a lot of these for outpatient management. So we're sending a lot of PEs home. You know, I, I, this is just purely anecdotal, but I would say in the last like two years of my practice, if you weren't a submassive PE, I would say I've sent home 50% of, of, of those PEs. Because you can risk stratify them, and we use two tools to do that. The first is the pulmonary embolism severity index, and that's also called the PESI score. And that looks at things like heart rate and your hemodynamic stability and your oxygen requirement and your age and some other factors. And if you are in the low risk category by PESI, the 90 day mortality is less than 2%, which interestingly is about the same as what we call low risk chest pain. 
So that like 50 year old guy with a pretty normal EKG and we get two tropes on him and then we send him home, he has about a 2%, one to 2% mortality rate. So these are low risk patients if they are low risk by PESI. The other scoring system we use kind of to back that up is called the Hestia criteria from Leiden University, my peeps in, in the Netherlands. So, um, so uh, basically what the Hestia was the, was the Greek goddess of the hearth and the home, which is how I remember that kind of clue. It tells you who can go home uh, with, with uh, a PE. And the Hestia criteria also consider things like hemodynamic stability, but it, it puts in some important things like do they have severe pain? Do they have good resources at home to kind of manage their disease? What's their oxygen requirement? Some other things. But if they are low risk by Hestia and low risk by PESI, we usually send those patients home. And at that point, you can really treat them either with bridging Lovenox to warfarin or with, with Xarelto or another factor 10A inhibitor or what we call DOAX or direct oral anticoagulant medicines. In the hospital, if those patients are not submassive, not massive, but yet are high risk by PESI or Hestia criteria and we're admitting them, those patients are tr typically treated with anoxaparin, which is Lovenox, unless they've got renal insufficiency where it needs to be dosed otherwise. So hopefully that's helpful. That kind of frames like the, all, the world of PE, which is actually a pretty diverse collection of different conditions into sort of how we approach it in the ER. Let's have a good day. Thank you, guys. We are on a quest to provide the world with free medical education. Please help us out by rating us on iTunes, following us on social media, and subscribing to our newsletter at emergencymedicalminute.com.